Hey everyone, welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm James Anderson, one of your hosts. And I'm Colin Parker, one of your other hosts. On this show, we're going through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene, until the end of time. That's right, Colin, but we have, we're going into the future, but we have a blast from the past. Oh? Uh, a, a guest that we, on the timeline, talked to 12 years ago. Interesting. Okay. Come back to, uh, some would say haunt. Some would say huh. visit in a friendly way. I would say that one. Yeah, I'd say the other one. So my friend Mark <laughs> is back uh, to talk about uh, an, a couple, a, a scene that he actually requested at the very beginning of this and another scene that I bullied him into because we're friends. Um, Mark, <laughs> hi, welcome. Welcome back to the show. Hi. I, and, and that was an apt descriptor because I am perfectly pasty white to be, to be haunting. That's true. That's very true. Plus... You have so much unfinished business. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm constantly failing at everything I do. So yes, it's always unfinished. The juice stand, the accounting firm, all the failed businesses. <laughs> um, well, Mark, we are going to be talking about a couple of episodes of Captain America, The First Avenger, which is fun uh, in and of itself. But what's especially fun is, even though these scenes are back to back... They're going to be broken up by several scenes of uh, Captain Carter. So this is the first scene, and then we're going to cut away to Captain Carter, and then we're going to come back for some more of your glorious presence. But first, let's talk about this scene. We're going to be talking about minute 4619 through minute 4757. And here's what happens. Brent tells Phillips that he has a lot of explaining to do. Phillips tells Brandt that he needs to explain that sorry that he needs to explain how an assassin got into the secret facility in Brandt's car. Stark has been examining the sub and says, and he says, as one of the world's greatest scientific minds, that this technology is far more advanced than the Allies currently have access to. There is a discussion about Schmidt and Hydra. Phillips informs Carter and Stark that they're taking the fight to to Hydra. Steve wants to come too, but Phillips says that he's going to Alam Alamogordo, uh, Eddie Gordo's brother. He's an experiment. They promised him an army, and all he got was Steve. Brandt approaches Steve after Phillips leaves and says that Phillips may be missing the point, that America saw Steve in action. They won't forget a symbol like that. Brandt asks Steve if he'd like to serve on the most important battlefield of the war. Steve says that's all he wants, and when Steve agrees, Brandt congratulates him on his promotion. So... There is some catty military passive aggression going on all over this scene, plus some fun Stark boasting. Um, before we get into uh, anything else, Mark, did anything jump out about jump out at you about this scene? Uh, there's a lot of information packed into this scene. Actually, That's true. <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> there's. And and I was struck by that when when I watched yeah. it. How there's just sort of like the tossed off line about like like they worship Schmidt. They're a cult. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna. They're called Hydra. We're gonna take the fight right to them. You know, it's, it's like it, yeah. No, go ahead. It's like uh, it's like it's like the the beginning of a comic book where it's like previously on this movie we yeah. established that Hydra's a cult. We established. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it was the worst day in Captain America bites. history. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, but then you're like, wait, no, it's supposed to be, that was spread out through a whole thing, <laughs> right. not one scene. They're like, when oh. You, when you put it into a clip like that, it doesn't sound like it makes any sense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then, see, you know, as you remember, Steve got got marked 4F, and then they went to the fair. And <laughs> just a full recap. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I do love a, it's not exposition. It's like, I guess, recap. Recapped in America. That's funny. Um, so <laughs> I don't need anyone else to approve my jokes. Um, yeah, so that's, that's a good, that's a, that's a good point. Do you have any other, uh, anything else that, uh, that occurred to you or shall we start some learning? Oh, I love learning. I know you do. I know you do. So a couple of things that I, that I wanted to research and then we're going to see how well Mark knows movies. Oh, Big fan no. of movies, huh? Well, I guess, uh. You're a fan. So, uh, Alamogordo is an army airfield. Uh, it was uh, named on the 21st of November, 1942. Uh, so, this would have existed. Uh, it was a second Air Force installation, which means that's where they train Air Force people. It had uh, aprons, which must be a military thing. I have to imagine runways, taxiways, and hangars. Uh, from 1942 to 1945, it had more than 20 different groups for overseas training, initially flying Boeing B-17, flying fortresses, then consolidated B-24 Liberators. And I saw all that, and I was like, so why would Phillips send him there? Like, this, I'm sending you to Alamogordo to be an Air Force person now, because I'm so disappointed. But it turns out that Alamogordo in the MCU is also the location of the SSR during World War II. So when he says we're taking the fight to Hydra, he's basically saying we're going to leave New Mexico and go over to Europe. So pack your bags. Uh, <laughs> Agent Carter visits Europe. Um, the other thing that I had was it seems wild to me that Senator Brandt, being a senator and in not in the military, can give Steve a promotion in the military. And so I had I did a little research about can he do that? But first, let's establish what's actually going on here and what we'll see in the next scene where we have Mark uh, in the thing is that Brandt is being facetious. He's giving Steve the role of Captain America, which has a title, which is a higher rank than Private Steve Rogers is currently. So it's a promotion, but in sort of a like slick sort of like, <laughs> nice job on your promotion there. Um like if like if if I played a doctor, he's being cast. Exactly, he's being cast. Right. Cast in America. And oh, okay. See how I set that up for you. Very nice. Thank you. Yep. Um, and so also I love that the the greatest battlefield of the war is the battlefield of public opinion. Um, uh, James, real quick before yeah. we move on from anything, mm. uh, just before we completely move entirely past the whole thing of like what's at the airfield and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, an apron is oh, yeah. uh, also, is also like a flight line, a ramp, or tarmac. It's the area oh. of an airport where aircraft are parked, unloaded, or loaded, refueled, boarded, or, or maintained. Um, okay, that makes sense. So it's it's all that, and then it's like it's accessible to the runway or or taxiway. Okay, I see. And so it's not like when when the the people that are training the aircraft uh, come back and you've made them uh, a, a fresh batch of cookies and you're wearing a 
Air Force apron. That's not what that is. Right. Got it. No. Well, I think they have both. Right. Exactly. I think one is like a capital A. One is a lowercase a kind of thing. My cookies are fly Alamogordo Air Place. Alamogordo Airfield. Um, (laughs) Established 1942. Right. Slang established 1997. Um, All right. So uh, just really quick, let's define our terms, gentlemen. Uh, Enlisted service members, which is what uh, Steve is. Because uh, he technically enlisted, kind of. Um, it's like he got an honorary degree in enlisting. Um, it's not kind of. I mean, he gets a 1A stamp, and he's taken to a Yeah, facility. but it's like, you know how like when people get their That's honorary fair. doctorates because they're famous? And like they technically have a doctorate. Yeah. I guess. But like Erskine was like, hey, we want to use you. You're in. Did he not give basic training, though? You know? I, That's true. I don't know, because we haven't recorded those episodes yet. We're recording <laughs> on April 26, 2022, uh, in the future, in the past. So, uh, yes, that you're correct. He did go through. <laughs> like, he got in. Anyways, well, well, well I'm yeah. sure we've had a much longer discussion about this, or we've True. forgotten it entirely. So Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, that's, that's what it is. We're just, we've just forgotten that we've already mentioned it. Yeah, exactly, sorry. Exactly, that's what it is. Now I remember. You're right, right, right. I, I, did, uh, I did think about us coming up with a fun name for Brant's aide, who doesn't get a name. And then trying to come up with it organically when we record the episode where Brant's aide first did, first uh, first appears, and being like, "All right, we'll call him Bobby in this, but we'll establish Bobby in the future when we record that earlier episode." But that seemed too complicated, so I, I didn't want to bring it up. Okay. So, um, <laughs> thanks for bringing it up. I didn't. Ah. You did. Why'd you bring it up? All right. Enlisted service members are members of the U.S. military who meet specific requirements or serve specific scientific functions, and agree to perform certain duties. Oh, there it is. Typically, enlisted personnel join the military at a younger age than officers, since those in the enlisted ranks are only required to hold a high school diploma, or GED. That is opposed to military officers, which is what a captain is. Uh, They are members of the U.S. Armed Forces who hold a bachelor's degree from an accredited four-year college or university and meet other requirements. Some officers, like doctors and lawyers, immediately specialize in their chosen field while others are assigned to a squadron with a particular military mission, such as being a howling commando, for example. Hmm. Uh, It is possible for an enlisted service member to transition to an officer ranking. This can be done in a few ways. One, a commanding officer recommends you to Officer Candidate School, or ROTC, or ROTC. You can be promoted due to technical expertise to become a warrant officer, or you can be promoted to a non-commissioned officer to hold officer-related responsibilities. Which, if he was actually being promoted, I think is that third one, where it's like, you have a specific set of skills, lead this squadron, because you're a super soldier. And it's singing and dancing. And singing and dancing. Yeah, exactly. Wearing that mask, so great. Put Um, those tap shoes on your boots. Tap boots. (laughs) Tap in America. Tap, tap in America. Damn it! Oh, yeah. Tap in America. I can't believe I didn't see that at all. (laughs) I saw you both kind of like go to make a joke, and I was like, "What could possibly have?" <laughs> wow! No, actually, it was it was right there. Ginger Rogers, um, Colin, did you um, have anything else you want to talk about with ranks? We we yeah, actually, weeks we and weeks like, ago, <laughs> yeah, weeks and weeks ago, and definitely not uh, just like thirty minutes ago uh, of the time of recording. Uh, we had spoken to Ty about Bucky Barnes showing up and being a sergeant, right? Right. And there was no real, 
like time basis for us to really figure out like how long was he around, right? right? Like how like he he just shows up in this movie and boom, he's a sergeant, right? So like how exactly. long was this man doing this, right? So I looked it up to see sort of what the time period and like how long it would take someone to to get through there uh, kind of situation. Like, I don't know how to say that really, but yeah. How to uh, achieve the rank of Sergeant. Right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, one of the big things here is that it did take less time during world war two versus now mm-hmm. to get into one of these positions. Um, there kept being vacancies for some reason. Well, yeah, there is oh, that, gosh. but like, it's also a bunch of other things. So, Let's see. So one of the big things, though, is that like you sometimes move into a sergeant position uh, quicker if you are also an expert in some sort of field. Right. So although I I don't think we actually really mention what all of them are like experts in. Right. Like yeah. for the howling commandos. Yeah. But Loyalty. Like, yeah. But like they all like have moved up pretty quickly and like they des- design a team around them. They clearly right. all must have some sort of level of expertise to make a reason that they would all work as this sort of group. Right. Right. So sergeants were frequently moved up quickly, uh, f- especially if they were technical experts, um, because they're they need experts in each platoon and company. Right. So there's like a big reason for, for like those things. Um, the. The sort of uh, new recruit in spring 1942 might be promoted to sergeant uh, by sometime mid-1944, if not earlier, if they were already aged late 20s or early 30s, among the smartest few of his company, amongst the most conscientious of of few, okay, of the few men of his company, sorry, uh, stand out across the entire range of company activities um, and stand out as a leader and mentor in boot camp. Because uh, that can actually get you an early promotion to corporal. Right. So there's all these little different aspects to it. So most people, on average, who were becoming sergeants during World War II, were having it happen within like eight months to a year. Mm. Um, nowadays, it would. Uh, it, I think. Where is it? I think I saw. Nowadays, it would take you close to two years. Uh, because you have to spend a minimum of 24 months in the military to achieve the rank of E4, which is a specialist. Uh, you can make E4 in 18 months if you're an exceptional soldier, and your chain of command pushes a waiver up to your commander to promote you earlier. Right. Uh, although this person says they haven't seen it happen. This is someone from the U.S. Army, by the way. Um, they said, I haven't seen that happen, but it is technically possible. Um, and then once you reach that rank, you must spend seven months in that grade prior to becoming eligible for a promotion. Right. Um, so there's a bunch of different steps that you have to go through. And I, th- I think at this point, there's now more things in action right. that you have to do. Uh, one of my favorite things is that uh, on this list of things uh, from Lyle K. Capic, Capic maybe, um, SSG at U.S. Army 2008 to present, uh, he wrote like this whole like step by step like process of how you become a sergeant. I'm not going to read you all of them. He'd be a staff SSG is staff sergeant, correct? I so he, guess so. I I, think I, I don't know what all of the different abbreviations. I, I think are, so. I think staff sergeant is like he's like not a just a sergeant. He's like one or two up from that. So he oh yeah. You know what? What's funny is like I don't know what these things are. If I had scrolled down just a little bit, you would see that literally right here. I think that's very interesting, but yeah. it's also fascinating to see that like we added more rules essentially and like more steps as like once we were out of wartime sure um especially because you know we weren't like 
kind of fast tracking people just to literally get people into positions across the globe, essentially. Right, exactly. Um, yeah. And so that's how he got there. And then, uh, sorry, for Bucky, and then for Captain America, to get there, it would have taken him ages. So, like, it's yeah. crazy that, like, Steve kind of let his, like, stomach be bigger than, or his eyes be bigger than his stomach in this situation, right? Where he's yeah. like, ooh, ooh, I get to do this thing. And I'm pretty sure, is this the scene where uh, he tells him that, like, the the best thing that came out of him, or the best part about him came out of a lab? Uh, ye- I, all of a sudden, I can't remember. I don't remember. Philip says so many mean things. Yeah, um, Philip does say a lot of mean things. So I'm trying I think to remember that's a, I think that's a thing when he's in the in the rainy tent in in Europe later. The, oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. That makes sense. Because yeah, when he I says here he, that's especially I, cutting is they promised me an army and all I got was you. I'm like, oh, Tommy right. Jones, please don't be mad at me. <laughs> he's so good at that stuff, though. Oh, <laughs> like it's a thing where I'm like, I want to not like you right now, but you're so good at these types of roles. That makes he, me happy. But anyway, he, so he's yeah, so good it's at, why at he went along saying mean things, but looking like he could not care less, which makes it meaner. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> <laughs> he says, he says all that. He has such a great face for that too. He like does, like he sure. doesn't. He say, he can say all of register all of that on his face with just the yeah. little little flick of an eye. You know exactly. I love I, Tommy Lee Jones in the position of someone in charge of others is my favorite. Like the fugitive men in black, this it's so fun to see him be both. I'm the authority figure and also screw authority, but not me take me seriously, but I don't care about any other authority, but you need to take care <laughs> like, and around and around we go. And it's so fun. And yeah, the glint in his eye is just ugh, so good. All right. Well, those that's information time. Now it's quiz time. And uh, this is uh, where I cut to the part of my notes that says quiz show. Mark, do you know the do you know the box office game? Do you have, are you familiar with that? It's a it's on a podcast. The box but it's also, office game. Yeah, I think if you don't, it might be fun for you to know. It's it's well the website is don't go there now because pay attention to me. But uh, it is <laughs> boxofficega.me. So it spells box box office game, but you cut it in the middle to do the thing and basically every day Uh it is it gives you a week and a year so like june 15th 1992 and Uh, you have to figure out the top five movies at the box office that week and you can guess just straight from the hip or you can get hints which reduce the number of points that you get it's like you can get hints for like the plot synopsis the tagline the who's in it how much it made the director the genre all these things Okay. The director is always uh, the funny. The budget actually is the one that always makes me laugh because it's like, so I would be like, oh, right. Okay. Now I know what it is. uh, 17.3 million. Oh, that has to be. (laughs) That's Hope Floats starring Sandra Bullock. Excellent. Excellent pull. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Um, And uh, Hope Floats had. Harry Connick Jr., who was that, in that is, that is correct. Independence Day with Will Smith, who was in Men in Black doing with this now. Tommy Lee Jones, who was in this movie. So that's why it's relevant to Captain America, the first Avenger. Um, so I have looked up the top <laughs> 10 grossing movies of 1943. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> How did James know it was going to be a fun time? I have put them in alphabetical <laughs> order. 
It's a simple thing. I don't need you to put them in any order other than I want you to pick out the number one top grossing movie of 1943. Oh, and you're going to you're going to read them first. I'll read you the titles. I also have who is in them and plot synopses. Okay, just the titles wow. the, the titles are fine. I did a lot of work with the other stuff, but okay. Um <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh Casablanca. Coney Island. For Whom the Bell Tolls, Heaven Can Wait, The More the Merrier, So Proudly We Hail, The Song of Bernadette, Stage Door Canteen, Sweet Rosie O'Grady, or This is the Army. And again, I have actors and plot synopses, should you would like them. I... How many of these do you recognize? Several. Okay. Stage Door Canteen is actually based on a real place in Hollywood that uh, movie stars ran for servicemen. They oh, like were, uh, so it's like Planet were, Hollywood. It, sort of, but they actually would be there. Yeah. And they like like Betty Davis right. would be washing dishes in the kitchen, and you know Clark Gable would be, <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, push, push, push a mop. Yeah. Oh, uh, huh. You know. Stars, they're just like us. Um, Not getting tipped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think this is going to be obvious, but uh, I'll say Casablanca because it went Casablanca? on. It, did, it, it went on to get to win Best Picture, and, and it maybe... has a hundred percent on Metacritic. Hundred <laughs> percent. Let me tell you a story about the structure of this. Uh, I was I thought for a second that maybe I should just do the top five, but then we would have not gotten Casablanca because Casablanca was number six. Oh, all right. Then. So that's why we have the top ten. What were okay? Real quick, I'm just curious for my own reasonings. After Casablanca, what were the next five that you read? Uh, okay, uh, Coney so like Island two through six. Okay. Coney Island. Uh. For Whom the Bell Tolls, Heaven Can Wait, The More the Merrier, and So Proudly We Hail. Okay. I'm going to throw in a guess. I'm sure it's going to be very wrong. Okay. Uh, And I think it's Heaven Can Wait. And then you you two keep playing the game. And if I happen to be right, I'll feel great. Okay. If I don't, I'll go, you know what? I haven't seen, I think I've seen two out of those 10 (laughs) movies. So I'll feel okay (laughs) with not getting it. If I don't get it, then I don't care. This is a stupid game anyway. <laughs> well, the thing is, I will admit, I was also thinking, surely it's Casablanca. And yeah. So since you took the first hit, I was like, okay, yeah, I'll just take a second crack at it, just you know, just for my own shiggles, you know. Yeah. But like, other than that, like, I'm like, listen, this game is not designed for me. It's designed for Mark. In so this, I'll let Mark shine. <laughs> in this li- in this list, uh, Charles Coburn, Ingrid Bergman, Betty Grable all have uh, multiple movies on the top 10 grossing films of 1942, which I think is is interesting. Like, who's even heard of them, you know? (laughs) So are we just, am I just going to keep guessing until I get it? Um, Let's say you have, you have two more guesses. Okay. Three strikes, you're out. Yeah. 1943 baseball reference. Nice. (laughs) Got him. Would it have been the more the merrier? More the merrier. No. 
no. which is one of the ones that has Charles Coburn, is number nine. Okay, I'm getting, I'm getting colder. Yep, you know you sure are. But you've gotten six and nine, and that's pretty nice. <laughs> <laughs> so for the next one, go for whatever is the opposite of your gut feeling. That's not bad advice. Since if you're going backwards, would it be Song of Bernadette? Yeah. Song of Bernadette which had Jennifer Jones in it as the star and title character, um, is number three. All right. So you're heading in the right direction. Right. Try, try one more. Give me, give me one more. Yeah, yeah what's, what's one more? What's one more? Exactly. A game we like to play here. Do you, do you want the remaining options again? Yes. Coney Island, For Whom the Bell Tolls, uh, So Proudly We Hail, Stage Door Canteen, Sweet Rosie O'Grady, or this is the army. For whom the bell tolls. For whom the bell tolls is number two. So, <laughs> Colin. Yes. Heaven can wait is number eight. So. Okay. Can I? You know what? I think this is gonna make me mad. Okay. Great. Yes, it is. But here's 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 what I want to know. I okay. want you to tell me. Yeah. What is the plot synopsis to This Is the Army? The plot of This is the Army, which stars George Murphy, Joan Leslie, George Tobias, and Alan Hale, is a soldier wounded in the war, World War I, becomes a producer and stages a show for the forces. I think I'm going to be so mad at this. I think that that's going to be the correct answer. Because I've realized now, thinking back on it, we've just talked about some scenes where they love to at the movie theaters during the war be like oh yes look at this the allied forces going up and giving them what for here against the axis right like surely people are like hey we've got army on the brain this is the army where's steve rogers uh captain right. america anyway right. uh oh wrong war got it but. <laughs> right uh well let me just say that so proudly we hail which is also sort of a patriotic thing is number 10 and has veronica lake in it that's patriotic Yes. Yeah, like, oh, like hail! So proudly like, we hail at the twilight. Got it. In my head, I, was, I don't know why I, this doesn't make any sense, but I hear hail and I immediately think of like weather. So it's like, right. eh, it's just like a snow. Right. <laughs> All right. Like yes. you know, like a White Christmas or something. You know? Sure. Yeah, your fave. Um, I do love that movie. You are correct. It is. This is the army. No. Oh. That just sounds not good. <laughs> I will say oh. that it apparently has not stood the test of time. Apparently not. Unlike other such losers as Heaven Can Wait and Casablanca. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, so uh, number two was was For Whom the Bell Tolls, which is Gary Cooper in uh, Ernest Hemingway uh, ripoff. I'm joking. It's an adaptation. Uh, <laughs> the song of Bernadette was three. Uh, four was Coney Island, which had Betty Grable in it. And also that's season, four? Season, yeah. It's about Coney Island. Come on, hot dogs. Brash singers, yeah, great. penchant for flashy clothes. Come on, um, and then then five was Stage or Canteen, six was Casablanca, seven was Sweet Rosie O'Grady, which is my new favorite uh, minced oath. Sweet Rosie O'Grady, <laughs> and um, Heaven Can Wait was eight, and then nine was the other one Mark guest, and then ten was uh, <laughs> what so proudly we hail, which is about well, what was not nine again. Sorry. Uh, nine was the other one that Mark said. Uh, the more the merrier. Uh, oh, that's right. During world, the World War II housing shortage in Washington, two men and a woman share a single apartment, and the older man plays Cupid to the other two. Scandalous. That's a, yeah, that's a, exactly. That's a sweet flick. Is it? As in, like, 
sweet as in endearing yes oh yeah. okay not like sweet like nice well i mean it is i guess there's like, some yeah gosh not like sweet like like that's my jam it's a sweet <laughs> flick right. you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah oh, yeah sweet flick sweet sweet flick nice. bro all right uh the more the merrier more like so mark thank you so much for being <laughs> <laughs> On this episode, and uh, I would I would like to congratulate you on your performance on that quiz. Why? But Colin, you did a great job on that quiz. Um, I, you know, it. I'm not happy about it. I, I'm mad that like I was only right because I was like, you know, 43 loved propaganda. What's the one that seems the most pro-war? Ah, <laughs> that makes sense. This is now, the army, yeah. and we're fighting. We're fighting evil for God. The movie. Um. <laughs> That's all of them. All right, so uh, that is all I had for this episode. Um, so, Colin, if you want to take us to some social media, we can move on to music. Which would you like me? Wait, some music in the in the in the next scene that Mark's going to be on. We're going to be talking about a song. Oh, okay. Sorry, I thought you meant for this episode. I was like, don't we do that before? The music is nineteen forty three. So, which? Uh, I love that song. Hey, it was a hit in talk. 1943. Was it really? Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be coming up in Agent Carter, and I specifically was like, I want to talk about that scene because I love that song. Back <laughs> and Mama, I could not have picked a better song. Right. It's my favorite song about a mother that hold that carries a weapon. Yeah, hey, you know, not a lot of them, and most of them aren't great, but that one. Real your, hey, real banger, right? Your your mother's samurai sword is a thing of beauty. Was a minor hit for Bing Crosby, but like, <laughs> um, Mark, do you want to recommend uh, your podcast that you write on and star in? I do play some supporting roles. That is true. It's called Split Oak Lane. It is sort of somewhere at the nexus of sci-fi and and supernatural. Hmm. Um, so I would encourage, and it, it's fiction. I I would encourage audio drama fans to seek that out. Also, if you like the sound of typewriters, this is a, this is the one for you for Ooh, sure. Actually, I do. No yeah. joke. Actually, I think typewriters sound pretty fucking cool. Do it to it until Tom Hanks releases his audio drama, which is just <laughs> typewriters, just no 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 speech, just typewriters, and he's just like, this is a good one too. <laughs> And it's the best-selling, it's the be- most downloaded podcast of the year. Um, <laughs> and we all go absolutely People do raging. love Tom Hanks. Tr- I mean, you know, what's not to like? Except for that one guy from Band of Brothers. Like, everyone else, though. <laughs> uh, <sighs> all right. So, yeah. I would also well, recommend that. Great. Well, we'll make sure to throw that in the show notes. Uh, so, check that out. Honestly, in about 35 seconds, because this show is coming to an end. Absolutely. Uh, so thank you so much for joining us, everyone. Mark, thank you for joining of us. Thank you. Uh, as always, I'm Colin Parker. I'm James Anderson. Oh, and, 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 and Mark, uh, Mark Hutchins. Excelsior. Oh. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> it's like Tommy Lee Jones throws back over his shoulder as he leaves the room. Excelsior. <laughs> Before he rushes back they in to be like, Brent, what did you just say? A, they told me I was getting a whole regiment. All I got was an Excelsior. <laughs> Excelsior.
the Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.